Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Today is September 11th, 2016. It's 15 years after that terrible day when many lives and perhaps the whole country were changed forever. I imagine many of you could tell me where you were when you first found out about the towers falling. I'm sure just as many of you can recall horrific images from that awful day when the plane crashed into the World Trade Center towers. I don't personally know anyone who died that day, nor to my knowledge do I know anyone who was impacted personally in some way by the devastation. So my grief, when I consider this day, is a grief for humanity a profound sense of mourning that such a horrific act of violence could occur, that innocent lives were taken, and that so many lost beloved mothers and fathers, children and friends, colleagues and co-workers. I want to talk about loss and lament, both this week and next. These topics seem fitting for September 11th. As a nation, we were left with a terrible, inexplicable sense of deep shock on this day 15 years ago. We had known that there was some danger of attacks by extremist groups in the world, but we never dreamed that horror on such a level could occur. People will say that the world changed on this date. And we speak in terms of a post-9-11 world, 
as though a certain innocence was lost on that day along with the lives of 3,000 people. I believe there is still a void of some kind in our world because of the events of that day. Jesus tells two parables about loss in today's reading. As occurs on other occasions in Luke, one parable has a male protagonist, a shepherd, and the other a female, a woman who's lost a precious coin. The use of both the male and the female emphasizes that Jesus' saving message is for everyone. There is no doubt left that women are the focus of this message, as are men. This inclusiveness was extremely important and rare in the time of the writing of the gospel. The message is the same in each parable. The loss is devastating and is the cause of frantic searching. Now generally, we jump right to the end of these particular stories to find the meaning to the recovery of the lost sheep and the lost coin because the ultimate message of these parables is about God's joy over the return of the lost sinner. But for today, I want to stay with the loss because I believe there's a message here for us too. Loss is very hard, painful, sometimes unbearable. Even loss that is not death itself, when recovery might be possible, can be terribly difficult to deal with. On my record sheet that I complete when I visit with patients and residents, there are categories of spiritual issues that people may be experiencing and one of them is loss. It's related to, but different from grief. People deal with many kinds of loss. Loss of a loved one through death or other separation. Loss of one's home and independence. Loss of purpose when physical abilities decline. Loss of meaningful work. Many, many more. Serious loss leaves an empty space, a void that can feel not unlike the gaping chasm of devastation at ground zero. Something, some treasure has been taken away from us. And if violence or sudden illness or accident are the cause of loss, it's often compounded by confusion. Nicholas Walterstorff has written a book in memory of his son, Eric, who died in a terrible climbing accident. Walterstorff documents his sorrow, his aching, crippling grief throughout the months after his son's death. He notes that sometimes he would feel for a moment that his son was not dead, just gone for a time. And for a brief moment, he would not remember the awful fact of his son's death. But then he would recall it. 
it would open before him again. Eric is dead. He is no more. He will not be able to speak with him today or ever. He found there was no way, no earthly way, to fill that particular emptiness. When loss occurs, as in these parables, loss that has the possibility of being resolved, we may find ourselves in a state of utter panic. If you are a parent, did you ever, even for a short time, lose track of one of your children? I know that I did one time at the Orlando airport. There is nothing else like that feeling of a lost child and the relief when that child is found. Even though it was only minutes, everything in my life was on hold until my daughter was found. Nothing else mattered, and the joy and relief when she was with us again was like nothing I've ever experienced before or again. The whole of life, the whole world, is disrupted when such a loss occurs. There's panic, disorder, the world is turned upside down by the fear that the lost one will never be found. What do these parables say about God's role in a world where someone or something precious is lost? Yes, the message certainly is there that there is great rejoicing in heaven when the lost one is restored, but God's presence is clear in that time of loss too, in the intervening period before the sheep or the coin is found. In these parables, God is the searching shepherd going out into the wilderness in the dark, searching every pathway, behind every rock, in every crevice, until he finds the one lost sheep, even though he has 99 others who have not strayed from the flock. God is also the woman who searches and sweeps, who turns over rugs and moves furniture, who takes a lamp so she can check all the dark corners where that coin might have rolled, until she finds it again. This parable reminds me of my own mother who lost her engagement ring, but sadly didn't find it ever again. For what seems like weeks, my mother searched every corner of every room of our house looking for that precious ring. I remember her unsettled anguish God is a searching God, looking for God's individual children. God also seeks for a lost world, a world that has surely got off track. God is not a leave them alone and they'll come home, God. God pursues us in the darkest of places, wanting, needing us to come home. What darker place was there in our recent history than the Twin Towers on 
what searching and recovering was going on during that time, the work of the first responders was God's work, many laying down their own lives for their friends or for those they'd never even met before. Though the horror of that place and time is unimaginable, there is no place on this earth that is God-forsaken, although we use that term to describe the most terrifying of places. God pursues us with love, even into the darkness of terror. God does not give up, even when loss permeates our very being, even when loss and grief dominate our spirits. With time and with mercy, God restores hope and healing. As I researched this topic, I learned something that some of you may already know. At ground zero, a calorie pear tree survived. It was severely damaged, but still alive. The website 911memorial.org states of this tree, a calorie pear tree became known as the survivor tree after enduring the September 11, 2001 terror attacks at the World Trade Center. In October 2001, the tree was discovered at ground zero, severely damaged, with snapped roots and burned and broken branches. The tree was removed from the rubble and placed in the care of the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation. After its recovery and rehabilitation, the tree was returned to the memorial in 2010. New smooth limbs extended from the gnarled stumps, creating a visible demarcation between the tree's past and present. Today, the tree stands as a living reminder of resilience, survival, and rebirth. If you'd like to look that up online, you can just Google Survivor Tree and you'll find a picture of that, that beautiful tree as it uh, survives now. Not only is the tree still living and blessing those who visit the memorial, but seedlings from the tree have been raised up and nurtured and have been planted at the sites of other terrible tragedies. There are seedlings now in Newtown, Connecticut, in Joplin, Missouri, in Madrid, in Spain, in Oso, in Washington, and in Gulfport, Mississippi, and other locations where hope and healing need to be nurtured. These trees are surely signs of God's promise that hope can be restored even through devastating loss. Are there losses in your life where God is trying to break in and bring healing? Have you lost a beloved family member or friend whose life was cut off too early or too suddenly? Have you lost someone through some separation that seems impossible to resolve? Perhaps you search for your purpose or your role 
as life circumstances change for you. Know that as you deal with loss, God comes alongside you in your searching, in your grieving. God knows and understands your loss and knows our collective loss. God knows grief. God knows what it is to search for each individual lost child and for lost humanity. The pain of such a devastating loss as the events of 9-11-2001 never completely goes away, nor should it. For those directly impacted by 9-11, that pain will remain in some form forever. God's presence is with us and with them in deep and lasting sorrow and also in the search for renewed meaning in life. In the same book I mentioned earlier, Lament for a Son, Waltersdorf struggles with his overwhelming loss but still can feel God's presence. He writes, We're in it together, God and we, together in the history of our world. The history of our world is the history of our suffering together. Every act of evil extracts a tear from God. Every plunge into anguish extracts a sob from God. But also the history of our world is the history of our deliverance together. God's work to release himself from his suffering is his work to deliver the world from its agony. Our struggle for joy and justice is our struggle to relieve God's sorrow. Amen. And now let us stand and